Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, what's going on, guys? We got Charlie Wee on the podcast this week. He's on the PGA Tour Champions, just finishing up his second year. He's 51. He's never had full-time status on that tour, which has been really challenging. He's been an alternate a bunch of times this year, not getting as many starts as a lot of his buddies who are full-time status. And he's been the Cinderella story of the playoffs so far, Charles Schwab Cup playoffs and it's been interesting like he was the bubble boy basically in richmond number 54 out of 54 to get to the next round this is two weeks ago made it on the number of 54 and then last week at timber tech in florida he shoots a final round 64 tied for the round of the day with Padraig harrington finishes t2 and that was just enough to get him into 35 position 35th Top 36 make it to the finale, which is this week Charles Schaub Cup Championship finale. And this means full status. You make it in here, you're full status. So he did earn it. So he's really been the guy to follow the Cinderella story. We get into a lot of his mindset, how challenging it's been. He's got young kids at home. Or I should say a couple teens at home. He wants to be more involved with them. But he doesn't know how often he's playing from week to week. So there's just really a lot to follow with his story. Charlie Wee here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, please be joined by Charlie Wee of the PGA Tour Champions. And, man, you, you've been on a roll recently, Charlie. Uh, how are things going? Yeah, I've been very fortunate the last couple of weeks to play well at the right time to get to the finals of the Charles Schwab Cup. Um, I feel very fortunate to be here. And, you know, I really didn't didn't expect that I was going to make it this far. Um, you know, going into the last round last week at Timber Tech, I just wanted to, you know, finish well enough so that my Charles Schwab Cup standings will be high enough so that I get a lot more stars. But um, I didn't know that shooting a seven under last round will vault me into uh, this week. So I'm very pleased that I was able to do it. And I also I got some help from other players as well. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I had Scott McCarron on about a week ago on this podcast, and he talked about the camaraderie of the PJ Tour champions, right? What kind of what kind of attaboys have you gotten from your peers or from friends, you know, since, since you had that accomplishment? Funny you say that, uh, you know, I got a text from Scott, but on Tuesday I played a practice round with Scott, Ken Tenegawa and uh, Glenn Day. <laughs> so me and Ken Tenegawa took on Glenn Day and Scott McCarron and we took them for 40 bucks. I, I, I'm sure gambling is legal, I, I think, but uh, you know, it was a friendly wager and, um, yeah, Scott was one of the first people to text me to congratulate me. Just so he so he was keeping an eye on you on Sunday and, and he saw he saw that what your 64 had done, right? To get you in, get you T2 and into the next week, right? Yeah, I believe I'm sure everybody was following and Scott was pretty close to 36 mark as well. So I'm sure he was watching the board really closely. And you know, when I finished, uh Ken Kennerly, who's one of the uh, tournament directors for last week from Pro Links Golf. He told me, oh, congratulations. I was going, what? He said, yeah, I think that you're probably going to finish 36. And I had to catch a 5 o'clock flight. And I said, okay. 
I didn't even think about it and I didn't even want to worry about it. So I went to the to my locker, cleared out my locker, went to the hotel, took a shower, and I get a like why Yang keeps calling me. Hey man, if you do if this happens, you're gonna get in. So I said, just keep me posted because I was packing. So he calls me um ten minutes before Bernard finishes. He goes, He just double seventeen. And if he if he parts the last hole. You will get in, and I said, "Oh, please!" <laughs> so I said, "Just please, part of the last soul." So, yeah. Wow. So, 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 why he kept you updated, and then, and then, what happened? So, then you see the result. Then, th th then, where were you? What happened? Um. So actually, I was. I went to the club. I, you know, the finish time was around three p.m., and I got a uh, one of the volunteers to take me to the to the airport around two forty-five, and around three o five. Uh, when the tournament ended, I got a call from Ye and you know, and all other people as well. Dude, just saying what? Saying that hey, you made it, you're in. Yeah, yeah, made it. Congratulations! And my phone started blowing up, saying hey, that was awesome finish and um, great job. So you know, it was very exciting, and and even to now, you know, I was home last couple of days. Um, I was thinking, man, I can't believe I did it, and and you know, I feel so blessed, and I feel so fortunate. That I was able to get through it. Wow. Well, we'll 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 talk about that too. You heard from other people too. Like what what other voices? What other people do you hear from? Oh, uh, you know, KJ Choi called, you know, and then Scott, Kirk Triplett, Tom Pernice, you know, a few of my close friends. Uh, they all called me and text me. And and what kind of things would would they say that that meant a lot to you? You know what I mean. I, I know it's important. You know our our friendships in, in in all of our jobs, right, are important. But but what kind of thing resonate with you? You know. Well, they were just really happy that you know they solidified their positions and with their career money and enough tournaments won to be out here till you know whenever they want to quit. And they were just so excited for me to have the opportunity to be out here full time and that I get to spend more time with them and then I get and they get to spend a little bit more time with me. So, um, you know, I've had great friendships with them for many, many years and just to be around them, it's been great. What were your expectations on Sunday morning? Well, there were no expectations because <laughs> I was so far out of it. I did look at the projected, um, Charles Schwab cup before I teed off and I hadn't moved one bit. So, oh, I, no. yeah, uh, so I said, well, you know, let's just put a good round together, try to, see if we can move up because I know the higher you finish on the trial truck, um, more stars you'll get. So that was my mindset. It wasn't that I, there was not one second that I thought about their top 36. There was, I, I was just thinking, okay, if I could do play well and get to the mid forties, I know I'll get a lot of start, which will um, be hopefully better than this year. And that's, that's what I was thinking. I didn't about top 36 until I finished. Man, so you started the day projected fifty four, where you had started the week. Yeah, it was like fifty three or fifty four. Yeah, the, on Sunday morning, because I was around twentieth, and I hadn't really moved up at all. Yeah, and was there stress in, in Richmond the week before too? Um, well, Richmond, I thought I was out of it too, and I thought that like going into the last round, I thought I had to, you know, I had dinner with Y Yang. Saturday night and he's like hey you probably need to shoot like four or five under and I was one under with two to play and I, I thought that I was done for the year and I just happened to birdie eight and nine and and um you know fortunately I was able to get through it <laughs> for like thousand dollars over Mac Ogle
man, that is just such a laser thin margin. You know what I mean? Yeah, because especially points when you get to the playoffs. So it really means it was over five hundred dollars. Wow, that is crazy. Um, well, hey, you had also thought about quitting the game, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, t t talk us through that. Well, um, I had a really good start to the year. You know, I finished second my first tournament of the year, and I was using my arm lock putter. And for some reason, a couple weeks later, I was playing a tradition, region's tradition, and I three-putted maybe seven, eight times. And I thought that, for me, I thought the arm lock putter under pressure performed so well. I thought that was a wave of the future for me. And I've always had anxiety. And um, and I thought that using an arm lock putter was going to let some of the anxiety go away. But it didn't. And I just putted horribly for a while. So I went back to my old putter, uh, the Odyssey two ball. And I told myself, you know what? I'm just going to stick to this. And and I guess um, Friday night of Dominion, the first playoff tournament, I talked to James Siegman, my short game coach, and, you know, we talked about what we've done in the past. And he said that you got to, you know what, if you want to stay out there, you got to be able to fight on every shot and fight every day because it's never easy. So I wrote that down and I just said, you know what, if you're going to be out here, you got to fight on every shot. And what I realized was that last couple of weeks is that even though I've, I might have anxiety under pressure, but I know that I could still make putts while I'm anxious. So that really gave me a really a boost of confidence that I could still put really great. Hmm. And you saw if you go in while you were, while you're feeling anxious. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was anxious the whole time, you know, but <laughs> you know, if you see my putter close up, you know, I'm bouncing the putter pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> erratically. So, but good thing about it is that I don't, it, it might, I'm trying to get, I'm not sure that I'm trying to get the tension out, but I'm trying to bounce. But I don't have anxiety through the ball. I just have anxiety before I take it back. So um, I talked to other players uh, who have trouble with putting. They had anxiety through the stroke. But once my stroke goes, it's smooth. But it's just before I take it back, there's a little bit of anxiety. So I have to really, uh, today I'm going to go work on my routine, solidify that so that I'm not taking more time than I need to once I have my eyes come back to the ball. Because sometimes what people do when they put, put poorly is that they stare at the ball too long. And my, oh. my, uh, my, uh, my sports psychology, uh, Glenn Alba, who passed this year, he said to me, stare at the target and glance at the ball meaning put a more focus at the target and less focus on the ball. And so whenever I think that we play poorly, we forget, uh, we lose track of where the target is and we focus so much on the ball and the result and we can't um, perform like how we can. Huh. It's like we're, we get hyper-focused on what, what's going to happen here. Like what score am I going to make? Right. Yeah. I, if you talk to any player, in any sport, they, they always say process and result is byproduct of process. And I, it's not just golf. You hear that on every sport, you know, football, baseball, uh, tennis, basketball, you know, if you do your process right and you, if your preparation is correct, your result is going to be there. And I also read a quote 
from Justin Leonard last week also hit. He said that, you know, when he first came out last year, he was so caught up in the results. And, and he, after he realized that he was doing that, he really just focused, he's been focusing on just the process and let the results follow. And I think that just reading that, that also helped me as well. Yeah. Well, another thing that it sounded like helped you based on what I heard on uh, Gravy and the Sleaze interview on SiriusXM PJ Tour Radio is you you talked with Y.E. Yang. You were thinking of quitting the game, but then Y.E. Yang and his wife sat you down at a dinner and and, and they talked you out of it, right? Yeah. So when, when, when was this? Come in. Uh, this was uh, Saturday night at Dominion in Virginia. So, you know, they they travel with two dogs, so they rent a house every week. <laughs> And um, I freak, I'm a very frequent dinner guest over there. And um, so when I, before I got on the champions tour, they said, oh, you have to shoot four or five under every day. You know, so I had this mindset that you have to be, play aggressive. And when we had dinner that night, he said that <laughs> he and his wife said, you know what, they, they've been analyzing the scores. And they said, if you shoot two under every day, you're going to finish top 30 on the money list every year. And actually, that was like my mindset when I was on tour because if you shoot one or two under Thursday and Friday, you're most likely going to make the cut unless you're playing Bob Hope or Las Vegas. And um, that was my mindset. You know, I, I, my mindset always been just keep making pars and let the birdies come to you. Don't force it. And when I came out here, I caught myself forcing it and making stupid mistakes and making bogeys where I shouldn't have been making bogeys. And when he when they said that, that just eased my mind that, oh wow, you know what? You don't have to go out and play stupid golf. You just play your game and you know, and then if you have to if you can make a couple birdies and eliminate some mistakes, uh, you you're gonna be just fine. And that was my mindset all last week at um in Fort Lauderdale Fort Lauderdale Timber Tech, because the green they had new greens and green contours are very difficult. So I played pretty conservatively into the greens so that I wasn't making mistakes. And, you know, I was fortunate to make some putts coming down the stretch. And it's just amazing that, that you have that kind of camaraderie with guys, Y Yang, you mentioned KJ Choi and some of these guys, Scott McCarron. Um, how fun is this camaraderie on the PGA Tour champions? Well, you got to add Kirk Triplett in there too, because like, <laughs> okay. there are many times, there are many times and Tom Pernice. Uh, Kirk Triplett, I would call him. One time I, in Ally Challenge, I got up Friday morning and I didn't want to go to the golf course. It's like I didn't. I just wasn't happy with my game, and I just, you know, I have a 13 year old son, 17 year old daughter, and I wanted to be home more and spend time with my son and my daughter because my son plays baseball and I love working with him. And and I was just playing mediocre golf, and I called him like a couple hours of my tea time, and he picked up. He's like. Kirk, I'm having this thought of quitting golf. I need to talk to you tonight. Can we have dinner? He goes, yeah. He picks up the phone like hour before his tee off. He goes, yeah, yeah. And that first day, I at first round, I think I shot 68. And um, and then, you know, he just told me, you just got to hang in there. And um, either, you, either you're in it 100% or you're out 100%. There's nothing in between. Wow. And that really resonated, it sounds like. Yeah, that too. And, you know, a lot of guys have been helping me. And also, you know, those thoughts go through your head, not knowing when you're going to play next and be, always being an alternate. It's, it's been very frustrating, uh, to say the least, because you, you're hoping that, you know, somebody would, would 
withdraws from the tournament for you to get in. And that's also been very discouraging. And, you know, having this opportunity to be able to play um, every tournament next year, I mean, that just sounds amazing. And um, not having to worry if I'm an alternate or not. And how rewarding was it, you know, when you when you made it through to get into uh, the finale, you know, just what, what happened there on Sunday, shooting the 64? How, how rewarding was that for you? I mean, it is very rewarding, but I wish, you know, I questioned myself. I wonder if it would have been more rewarding knowing that I had to shoot 64 and did it. Or it's rewarding. I feel like I backdoored into 36 because I really, starting on Sunday morning, after looking at my projected Charles Schwab Cup standing, I had zero chance. You know, I was still sitting at 53 or 54, and I was going, holy Toledo. <laughs> and, you know, for me, I, I just thought that if I just could move up to the mid-40s, that would be a great, great finish. And fortunately, uh, there were a couple of pers- players coming down the stretch that made mistakes to help me vault into second, tie for second. And that's so th- th- there's a lot of good things that went my way for me to be here this week. Because time, time is definitely going by really fast out here. Why do you say that? I don't know. If, you know, when you're young, they say, oh, you know, as you get older, time goes faster. And, you know, I remember when I finished second in Dallas, you know, it feels like a couple months ago, but that was already in April. And we're almost Thanksgiving. So, you know, we got to savor every moment. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, of moments, uh, savoring moments on your PGA Tour career, regular tour, you're you're friends with Colt Nost, and and I'm curious, like, is there a kind of a fun story uh, that you've had over your over the time uh, getting to know Colt Nost? Well, Colt is just a great guy. You know, he's very kind and uh, funny, and every year during Byron Nelson, he he threw a big party and. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make any of them, and I wish I had some good stories to tell you. I'm sorry, Gary. I really don't have any stories. I'm sure if I went to those parties, there would be tons of stories I probably could share with you. But you would have played some rounds with him in the past. And I know a lot of golf fans see him on CBS all the time. So so what is something about his personality or, or like give us a sense of how to get to know uh, Colt Nose? Well, he's just very easygoing, you know. Uh, you get what you see. There's no, he's really genuine and um, he's funny and he's very easy to get along with. He doesn't have an attitude. I mean, he was a star coming out of college, you know, he went USM, US Publings, USM again, I believe. And he was such a star, but, you know, he was very easygoing and, you know, he was one of the best personalities out on the PGA Tour. That's why he's so, he is doing so well on TV right now. Just because he's just the gift of gab and just that personality or? He definitely has the gift of gab and he's, <laughs> you know, he's got a personality that people like and players like, and that's why he could approach players and have an easy conversation with them. And I think that's very beneficial to the viewers, you know, having uh, one of the commentators that are so close to friends and you could get a really inside scoop of what they're thinking and how they live their lives as a professional golfer. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, he's got a lot uh, that he brings to the table there for CBS. And it's interesting. Um, I want to ask you on the regular tour, what were a couple of the best shots you ever saw hit on TV or playing ah, playing in person? David Toms. I was in the final group at colonial the last day and 
I was leading by a couple going into the last round, and I believe we were tied or I was one ahead. We get to the 11th hole, which is a long straightaway part five, and the pin is tucked right over a bunker next to the hazard, and he holds this 100-yard wedge on me. <laughs> and I, that's got to be one of the best shots under pressure. And he, so he won the tournament, I finished second there. So that was a bummer. How did you react to that? I just smiled. I'm going, what a dick. Oh, sorry. Can I say that? I <laughs> yeah, know. of course you can. It's a podcast, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I was happy for him. But at the same time, I was like, <laughs> why, why now? Oh, man. That's awesome. Any, any others come to mind? I know that, you know, Riviera is, of course, you love. You love the L.A. area. Any, anything come to mind in California or, Pe or Pebble? or? I don't well, Colt asked me, you know, we were talking about Steve Stricker. You know, how can we beat him? And, I, you know, yesterday I said, God, he's such a good putter. And, you know, one thing I said yesterday was number 10 at Riviera is a 300-yard drivable par four. And and that that morning, the pin was tucked right in the back. So if you missed your drive, it was really hard to get to because the, the shelf is only probably like 8 by 10 or something. And a lot of guys laid up. And I remember in the, I played in the morning. And I hit a really good shot, landed next to the pin, one bounce in the back bunker, made bogey, barely. And I was on the range practicing, and I turned around. There's Steve Stricker having about 90 to 100 yards, and he's got this beautiful flow to his swing, and he just knocked it like three feet. I was going, good gosh, how do you do that? You know, that I, was pretty impressive. Ah, on that hole, too, just so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah, it sure is, yeah. He is, wow. he's got amazing hands. That's for sure. Yeah. We're really one of the great uh, wedge players that's, that's out there. Um, what's your favorite court? What, what's your favorite courts in Asia that you, that you've been out to? Oh, uh, probably Hong Kong golf club. I feel like uh, in Hong Kong, uh, I believe they're playing uh, the international series this week there. Um, I, long hitters can win there. Short hitters can win there. It's a very strategic course where you know you have to place your shots and to have some severe greens yeah it's a really really nice golf course mm. and, and then uh as we close up what's a favorite public course you've played um you know maybe before you turn pro like you know what i mean when you think back to the the older days oh it's got to be pebble beach um coming growing up in california we had a, our california state amateur at pebble beach every summer so i got to have I got to have a few rounds out there and it's, you know, you can't beat Pebble Beach. And people ask me that all the time. What is your favorite golf course? And I always say Pebble Beach. So have you ever had an ace on number seven or any good stories from playing the course? No, no good stories at all. But I, I <laughs> but give me a break. Uh, <laughs> you I only did. had the 54 hole lead on Tiger and Phil. Come on now. Yeah. I, uh, when I was 18 years old, I was playing my first amateur tournament just just graduated out of high school and I won the California State Amateur and me and Paul Stankowski we still reminisce about it because I beat him in semifinals <laughs> and in how 1990 that, oh how did that go down in semis like what how close was it I think I beat him two and one and I just graduated from high school and he was like a star college player coming you know playing at UTEP and I, I was able to nudge him there so he always reminds me of that so how did it feel to close out the superstar on 17? Yeah, I can't even remember. I was so young and stupid. <laughs> I didn't even know what I was doing. 
but you guys you guys obviously get along now though in champion story oh yeah 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 oh he's he's one of the nicest guys out here yeah well great stuff uh charlie thanks for jumping on the pod um i know you got a lot going on this week with the finale but uh really appreciate the time man all right great good nice to see you and good talking to you garrett All right, my thanks to Charlie Wee for jumping on the pod. I love what he said. It's a really vulnerable position he was in for most of this year, not knowing how many starts he's going to get. He was an alternate many times and just like kind of hanging around, hoping that he gets in. But it's been a big run in the playoffs, and I, I love uh, some of the stories he had there with Y.E. Yang, inviting him for dinner, changing his whole mindset about, hey, you're going to quit the game? No, don't quit this game. You can do this. And, and I love he was encouraged by a lot of his peers, Scott McCarron, he mentions them as well, Kurt Triplett, so many guys that, that were important to Charlie Wee, uh, Tom Pernice, another one of them as well, KJ Choi. So really cool to hear more about the camaraderie of the Champion Store. What does it actually look like, right? So for a guy that's a part-timer, i finally be able to get in. This is a big deal. So Charlie Wee, and we'll catch up soon here. Hope you guys enjoyed it on Beyond the Clubhouse.